thanks, Chris, for joining us today. Um, you know, I always, I, I love sitting down and talking with you about like all the changes and, and just kind of the general update, because I know that you're, you know, everything <laughs> and you're able to package it up for everyone in, in terms in which they understand. And I know my buyers that I pick your way, love working with you and you're just a wealth of knowledge um, for them to have as their resource. So um, just recently, I know that you kind of expanded into also Arizona. Um, and so that's a market that I've recently kind of, um, chosen to, to, um, get involved in. And so it's nice that I have you also now as in my back pocket as a resource down here, and we can work together, um, with clients who are actually in, in both markets, right? So you have established relationships already with them in Seattle and they kind of are crossing over. And I think we just had a client friend slash friend, uh, colleague close on a home yesterday, um, that you helped her with too. So. Uh, that's great. But I think today we're just going to kind of chit chat about where things are at. And maybe we start with kind of uh, from your perspective um, on the lending side of things, how things are going and, and where we're at. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for having me. Always, I, I absolutely always love working with you and your team and coming on and chatting with you. And um, I'm super excited to get to expand in Arizona with you too. And, and like every year we start the year going, you know what? We just don't know what's going to be ahead of us. And we're already seeing new opportunities and challenges that are presenting themselves. But the great news is, is there's still a lot of really great news out there for home buyers and, and sellers. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into it. I think, you know, with this year, um, I think the big headline this year, as we go into it, that's going to be very familiar with buyers is they're hearing rates are rising. Yep. And, and the reality is, yes, they are. They, they are going up. We've got inflation in our economy. They've kind of been talking about that for, you know, a couple of years, essentially when the pandemic hit, um, it, you know, and, and they everything had to close down and it caused a host of, you know, different issues that came up. The federal reserve really was in a position where they had to come in and fill a hole that was created and it was really necessary for them to keep rates artificially low. And so really for the last two years, mortgage rates have been, have been artificially held low for the purpose of really keeping that economy moving. And it's, it's caught up with us is what's happened. And so you're seeing inflation and the only way to really combat inflation is to either the Fed has a couple tools. They can raise interest rates. And the whole point of it is it slows things down a little bit mm -hmm. because right now there's too much money chasing too few goods. That's the most basic definition of inflation. Okay. They've got to get that more in line. The other option they can do is they can do what's called tapering, which just simply means that they, they don't buy as many mortgage-backed securities. The United States is the number one purchaser of, of mortgage-backed securities. Yep. And when they stop buying them, that's going to cause interest rates to go up. Yep. Now, they've gone up pretty quick this year. I don't anticipate they'll stay on that trajectory. I think we will continue to see them go up probably over the next 18 months in, in all reality. And at some point that will slow down the level of appreciation. 
that we're seeing in home prices, mm-hmm. um, which is what the point is. It, it, instead of having 30 offers on a home, I, I, you know, they're trying to kind of slow it down to maybe there's only 10, maybe there's only 15. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the most part, really in the areas that we're in, there's a lot of money in this area. So I really, at this point, even though 30 year fixed rates are marking at around 4%, it really hasn't slowed down the affordability for most people. You know, there's a few people that, that I've said have had to lower their price points for the most part, it hasn't even really affected. And, yep. and I kind of don't think it will start to really affect people till you hit about four and a half percent. Yep. Yeah, I think that, that yeah. um, and also it's the area, um, it's the buyer demographic, like you said, there's probably certain buyers that yes, the, the rates are a little bit more uh, impactful because they're kind of on that borderline between maybe different products or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. And overall, just kind of summary of what's going on on that, the yeah. rate and inflation side. Well, and people have done so well in the stock market too. They've oh, yeah. made a lot of money. So even though rates have gone up, people have made a lot of money and they have money for down payment. They can bridge that gap with a buy down. You know, that that's the other piece that sort of offsets it too. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of goes into, so then uh, talk about like the, the rates and the fees that are going up for, I guess, the second home market. Yes. Yeah. So that's really probably one of the biggest change that's happened. So um, last year, you a lot of people might have remembered where Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, which are the two largest mortgage purchasers in the United States. So they kind of set the guidelines and the pricing standards for conforming loan amounts, which across the nation now for 2022, the nationwide conforming loan limit is 647,200, which is crazy. And if you're in a higher cost market, like Seattle, you know, King, Pierce, Snohomish County, you can actually go all the way up to 891,250. But the point is they kind of set the standards and even the jumbo lenders and what we call portfolio, they even follow a lot of the Fannie Mae guidelines as Q. Um, But really last year, they kind of started into this where they were seeing first time home buyership fall off. Mm -hmm. And that's due to the very, very um, low inventory market. And a lot of people with the pandemic being able to work from home, they started buying investment properties and second homes out there in the market. Well, that eats up a lot of the inventory that otherwise could have been purchased by a first time home buyer. Mm -hmm. So in in the interest of attempting to slow that down a little bit and and try to leave a little bit more of an incentive for first-time home buyers to jump in the market, they raised the pricing for investment properties. They initially touched second homes last year, but then they pulled back off of that. Mm -hmm. Well, when we got into this year in January, um, uh, they announced the FHFA, which is the, the regulatory governing body of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they decided that they're going to raise the pricing on second homes. And it's aimed at just that, to try to make it more expensive so there's fewer people buying second homes so that more first-time home buyers will have the opportunities. Um, And what it does, really, the the bottom line is, is if you're in the market to buy a second home, you're going to be able to afford it, whether the pricing went up by a point or not. You can still do, um, you know, the difference, the big difference between like a second home and an investment property is 
Second homes are geared more towards properties that are like vacation properties, mm -hmm. or maybe they're going to be short-term rental. Like for example, let's say you, you live in Seattle and you want to buy a, a great house in Arizona that you can go spend part of the year at. And when you're not there, you can go ahead and you can do a short-term rentals on it. That's a perfect second home. Um, so you can still do those for as little as 10% down. It's just the pricing is going to be more expensive on it. The pricing is going to look more like the pricing that you would have if you were buying like a rental property, like an investment property. Um, whereas right now, you know, before that change, the pricing looked more like a primary residence. So um, those are really the main differences. You know, the down payment requirements didn't change on second homes just simply the pricing. So when you say pricing, that's a percentage point, right? So what I Correct. think I heard- like so the, rate, so yeah, interest rates. So yep. typically um, with interest rates on an investment property, those, those rates run for the most part about 1% above an owner-occupied property. Mm -hmm. So now your second homes are going to be more in line with that, that type of rate pricing than, than it was with primary residents, unless you have a substantial amount of down payment into it. Got the it. more down payment, actually the better, the better your rate will be on a second home. But yeah, cool. for the most part, it's, it's more or less going to look like an investment property. Investment property. The rate. Got it. Okay. Well, um, so going back to, I guess, the guidelines too, or some changes that we've seen, um, let's talk a little bit about the condo issue that we're yes. having. Yes, <laughs> that is, that is a big one. Yeah. You're, you're hitting all the, the big <laughs> the hot topics. We have a lot so, of them. like a lot of things in this industry, you have one condo building that collapses in Florida. Um, and it was bad. That was an awful, awful scenario. Um, my heart goes out to all those yeah. people that lost loved ones. Um, but what it's done is it's really caused some reverberations throughout the whole industry. So essentially what's changed is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, as a result of that, decided to add an extra section in the condo questionnaires and the condo approvals. So normally when a client buys a condo, there's two pieces to the approval. There's the borrower being qualified but then the project has to also meet certain requirements. Mm -hmm. Well, the piece that's changed is there's a section now about deferred maintenance and building stability. So HOAs or property management companies that manage these HOAs are now required to disclose on the questionnaire when the last time the building was inspected. Was it 10 years ago? Was it 20 years ago? Was it 30 years ago? when it was inspected, was there deferred maintenance? What kind of deferred maintenance? Was it fixed? Are there any current issues? Mm -hmm. Do they anticipate any kind of current assessments coming up? And what it's done is it's kind of put the HOAs on notice. Fannie Mae hasn't come out with specific guidance on what they're going to require as far as like, you know, a building has to be inspected every five years or every 10 years. They haven't come out with that just yet. We're kind of expecting that will come out soon. Um, but the biggest thing that I'm seeing that where it's going to affect is older buildings that are, you know, 20, 25 years and older that, you know, may have not had a recent building inspection 
might be going through some assessments right now. Assessments are not always a deal breaker, but if they have anything related to the structure, if they have anything related to like a code type violation um, or health and safety, they're not going to be financeable until those repairs are completed. So things like, let's say, roof or windows or balconies or stuff like that really wouldn't be part of no. a concern. Yeah. Even those elevators, aren't going to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of items, what I would call fall under sort of maintenance, mm-hmm. those aren't going to be an issue. It's it's the items like. Um, Crack foundations or leaks yeah. within garages or, yeah, those things. Yeah. Those kind of things are like fire stopping that doesn't yep. need code and that needs to be replaced. Yeah. Things like sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Those, those buildings that are, like you said, the, the smaller buildings that maybe built in, you know, the 70s, 80s, even 90s are the ones that are kind of um, hurting right now underneath the new guidelines until they're, um, yes. I'm assuming that they're going to come back and kind of give more overlays and exceptions, you know, as they start to do their discovery. And like, yes. I think we talked offline where you are in the nation, you know, um, matters exactly. Too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I can't imagine, I'm sure that they've got to be looking at that because a building in Florida that is built on, um, you know, the, the, just, just the, what it's built on is very different. You know, there's sand, it's a whole different type of a foundation than what you have here. And I'm sure that that's going to come into the, the topography and where it's located is going to come into play mm-hmm. on what they would require as far as acceptability of building inspections. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I'm telling clients, what I'm telling my, my agent partners is, um, as always, you really have to dig into those condo docs. When you have a client that is buying a condo, dig into those docs, read those minutes you mm-hmm. can get a glean a lot of information out of the minutes. Like, is, is there anything being talked about that, you know, maybe is coming up? Um, is there anything that's that's in those resale certificates? So as always, just have to do our due diligence. Yep. And speaking of that, I think one of our condo queen, Rebecca Bays, is actually on um, on the Zoom yeah. event here. Good that nice. she's joining us. And, yeah. and she definitely is the resource for going over those resale certificates with those buyers mm-hmm. for sure. So yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, good. So, and the other thing I wanted to touch on um, is the refi, like refinancing. And there is wow. this trend where you know people are pulling money, all the you know equity out of their homes right now because rates mm-hmm. are still kind of at that, um, mm-hmm. you know, are, are still at that that point where they're um, you know appealing. Um, and then yeah. they're moving it over into investment properties too, mm-hmm. so purchasing. So I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so think about it over the last, you know, really five, 10 years, people have amassed a lot of um, equity in their homes and it's sitting there as dead equity and, and money. It's not, well, not dead equity, but it's not, it's not really earning a return on their investment. It's not working for them at the moment. So Mm -hmm. if they need to access money, borrowing against your property, let's say you want to go buy an investment property. You want to buy that second home borrowing against an existing property is going to be amongst one of the most efficient and least expensive ways to finance it. So people will do cash out refinances, Mm -hmm. um, pull some money out of that and put it into, you know, a very secure investment where they've got the funds there ready to go. 
when that property comes along that they want to put that offer in on some markets that are really competitive where they need to be a cash offer. It allows them to make that cash offer mm -hmm. or at least use that money for a down payment and or renovations mm -hmm. that they want to make on the home. Um, you know, now that the conforming loan amount, especially like in, in our area, King, Snohomish, Pierce County, and even around the country, it's risen so much that it really allows people to pull a pretty substantial amount of cash out if they're looking to do a renovation on their home or they want to, um, you know, like you mentioned, buy that second home, buy that investment property. You know, even with rates having gone up, they are still historically low. If you look at the charts going back 30 years and it's by far the least expensive way to go about, um, you know, financing that piece for sure. Is the process pretty much, is it similar to a refi and like with the underwriters or what's the percentage that you can pull out? With yeah, the it's the process is exactly the same as a regular refinance. And you can, the guidelines on a conforming loan amounts, which is again, anything up to 891,250 loan amount mm -hmm. um, in King, Snohomish, Pierce County. And there's other high cost areas around the country too that are even higher. You can borrow up to 80% of whatever the appraised value comes in at up to that high balance conforming loan limit. Mm -hmm. So it, it really gives a lot of leeway. And in many cases, we can also set up an equity line of credit mm -hmm. after that refinance closes where we can get you another 10% availability of equity to pull from as well. So in a combination, you could really borrow up to about 90% against oh. the home. Yeah. yeah. Um, are there any risk factors I just looking at, you know, a lot of people doing this all at once. And, and if we do have, you know, our, our market kind of um, balances out a little bit more, um, are there any risk factors that you're thinking of or thinking ahead? Yeah, I think in all cases, it's really important that we're sitting down and, and listening to our clients mm -hmm. and talking them through their financials and advising them. Um, not to get too far out in front of their skis and, and just, you know, really listen and look at what the risk factors are um, and just being responsible in the advice we give them on, on lending. And, um, you know, the risk factors I would say always is just, you know, if you're putting that money into an investment that's potentially really risky, there's, there's always risk factors. That's why I will always recommend to my clients that, you know, if you own a home, you really should be working with a financial advisor. You really should be working with CPA. Have your trusted group uh, that's around you. I am. I always tell my clients, I'm more than happy to talk with your CPA and to work with your financial planner to really make sure we're doing what's in your best interest long term. Yep. So I think that's important that they just understand that, um, you know, what the what, what the pros and cons are of yeah. doing of doing that. Yep. I agree. Yeah. You just kind of wonder, you know, at, at what point, you know, do you kind of find yourself in a pickle in terms of, you know, um, pulling the money out and then putting it somewhere and having things kind of level out. But, but I do think that our, our, um, everyone's situation is different as long as they're having those conversations and working with the right people yeah. and having the right resources and they'll be, they'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything else just kind of on trend wise for guidelines that have changed or anything that, that we need to be on the lookout this year? 
Um, yeah, I, I think this year um, is going to be the year of the comeback of renovation loans. Mm. And it, it's I'm, a, I'm excited for it. So I've always been renovation certified, but I haven't really had the opportunity to use it really in these last five years mm -hmm. because um, we've been in a market where it's such that really sellers didn't there were so many buyers they could just sell to, they could sell to cash buyers, they could sell to, um, you know, they, they just didn't really need to, uh, renovation loans weren't even an op option, but the guidelines on those loans have really, really expanded in the last year. And so like as a highlight, what it will allow people to do is as we're scratching for inventory, I think where it's going to become relevant is You've got sellers that I'm agents, agents talk to sellers all the time that say, well, you know, yeah, I'd love to sell my house, but I need to do all this work. I have all this deferred maintenance. I really don't have the money to do this work on my house, or I don't want to have to do it. I don't know, you know, where I'm going to go if I sell. So, you know, the thing is those properties, maybe they're not as likely to list and if they understood that, hey, a buyer could come in, buy your house as is, go out and, and get a bid from a contractor, roll in the cost of those renovations into the purchase, and it closes as one transaction, mm -hmm. seller gets cashed out, and then the buyer gets the money um, for, you know, to, to be able to have their builder go in make those renovations. Yeah, it's a little bit longer close. It's going to take probably 45, 60 days. Yep. But if you have a seller in that scenario, they're probably going to be willing to work with that buyer. Yeah. Um, now, I will say it is limited up to the conforming loan limit of 891, 250. So it's likely not going to be relevant for a house that is in a really high cost area. Yep. But there's a plenty of markets around us that have expanded where those loan amounts are very, very doable. Mm -hmm. um, the other option too is like, let's say you have a client that goes and buys a house that's a fixer, but they're able to close on it initially as a regular property. But, but they're like, wow, I only have 5% down and I wouldn't want to buy this house unless I could finance in 100,000 of renovations. Yeah. We can turn around after closing and do the renovation loan as a refinance. Got it. So, that really gives people that opportunity to get in the market with their 5% down and go ahead and roll in the renovations. How long is that time frame in which you could start that? Is it like a 60 day time frame or is it immediately? There isn't even a time frame. They can oh. start it right away. Yeah. Right. And and the 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 loan amount for it's going to be based on the as completed value. So yeah, it gives a lot of flexibility. Um and I think like the more um we're this is going to be the year I think that we're really going to start to see that take hold because people are getting creative about finding inventory and, um, you know, more and more people, again, one of the other reasons people are doing cash out refinances right now are to do renovations to their home, mm -hmm. to do big remodels to their home. So, yeah, yep, yeah. for sure.
Yeah. Um, yeah. And we have kind of a gridlock, um, you know, market right now where it's just, as you said, an owner has been sitting in their house. Whereas I think in former, let's say the last two years, people have been like upgrading, like yeah. for more space, a different location, like all those things. And now the ones that didn't, or maybe they did and are in their house now, yeah. um, they're like, okay, well now, it, and they've appreciated, you know, maybe even 30 to 40% over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're looking around being like, okay, well, I, you know, it's time to, to renovate or put some money towards it. So I, I do think that that definitely is a, a trend for yeah. those, you know, wanting to put in some updates there homes. Yeah. I think too, as our market has just continued to become more competitive um, and you and I touched on this a little bit, some of these other markets around the country um, that have just recently become hot markets, Mm -hmm. they're not near, they have not nearly used a portion of the tools that agents in our, in our, in the Pacific Northwest market have been using to help buyers get into contract. Um, one really effective tool I have seen starting to be used that is taking hold um, and, and really working is, um, you know, a lot of times agents will say, well, yeah, there's no inventory. Nobody wants to put their house in the market because they're worried about not being able to find a place to move into. They don't know where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. If the buyer, let's say a, a seller lists their house and they sell it, they get it under contract. The buyer can really offer a longer than 60 day rent back to that seller as long as they're financing that home, that purchase mm-hmm. as an investment property. So I had a scenario not too long ago where my buyer went in, offered the seller a, a six month rent back. So that would give the seller plenty of time to go out and find the home that they want to buy. And and the buyer even said, hey, if you need longer than that, I'll extend it beyond that. So what we did is we did the buyer's loan as an investment property loan, because then there's no restriction. There's not the 60 day restriction like there is if they're buying it for an owner occupancy or second home occupancy. They bought it as an investment property. So no restriction whatsoever. The seller in this case ended up finding the home they ended up wanting to buy within four months. So they didn't even use that whole six months. So then buyer was able to go ahead, move into the house, get get settled in. We were able to turn around and refinance the client into an owner-occupied because Mm -hmm. now they're living there. We can refinance it into an owner-occupied. So, you know, the answer is yes, it's, it's a two-step process. It requires two loans, mm-hmm. but Hey, if it allows the buyer to get that house they want, what's $3,500 in closing costs. Yeah. No, it's that's a true. great tool that I think that, um, could potentially really take hold this, this year to try to get some of that stagnant inventory yeah. and sellers that really just need a path. Yeah. They really just need that path laid out for them. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's very well put. Um, so, talking, I guess we could kind of go into our um, the market conditions. You know, Seattle yeah. been just the Seattle Bellevue. I mean, there was a um, article in the newspaper. I think it was a week and a half ago that said something had escalated up to you know less, just shy of a million. Um, I know there was a home that had 72 offers. Um, you know, there was one that actually you worked with me on that we had that um, was 1.1 uh, and got bid up to 1. Uh, seven. Um, 
eight or eight. No, it was, yeah, some right around there. Um, and had 14 offers. So it's just been kind of hard out there for everyone. And it doesn't matter if you're waiving financing, you're waiving inspection. It really just comes down to dollars and cash and quick closes. Um, so it's been kind of rough. And, and like you said, you haven't even really seen financing contingency through your office in how long a year? I mean, it's really been, I would say year and a half. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember the last time I had a contract that actually had a financing contingency. Mostly it's in the other states outside yeah. of Washington that, that yeah. I work in as well, uh, where I'll see contingencies. Um, appraisal contingencies, couldn't tell you the last time I saw one of those either. Mm-hmm. So we, we make the assumption, fortunately, um, that everything is going to have to be waived. So we go ahead and pre-underwrite those clients and just make sure they're rock solid so that when it comes time to write that offer, they can go ahead and waive all those contingencies. But I really think, yeah, inventory is so tight that the only answer is going to be finding creative ways to free up inventory, basically getting sellers who really in their heart, they want to move. They just want that pathway. Mm -hmm. of, okay, how do I navigate this? How do I make sure that when I sell my place, I really am going to have some place to go to? Because that's the biggest fear that I hear when I, when I'm doing the credit approvals and I'm interviewing these clients for the first time, they're like, I I definitely want to make sure I'm settled into my new place before I have to, to sell my current home. Um, And I think that's, it's really going to be incumbent on us as, as loan officers and as real estate agents to show them that path because freeing up inventory, you know, you and I both know that the building, the building um, is so behind. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, what happened after the crash in 2008 is that builders just left the market. Mm -hmm. They found other things. They retrained into other uh, professions and they just haven't come back in. And there's not enough builders. It's expensive to build. It's hard to find land. So we just are, we're never going to, we're, we're just not going to ever be able to catch up on that. The only way is really going to be freeing up inventory that we and have. Moving people around, people moving. Moving people around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree with that completely. And you kind of touched on it too, you know, um, obviously here in Arizona, you know, I take a look at uh, their contingencies here and, and, you know, I did have an offer that we went up against 10 plus different people um, just this last week. And so I know that their market is heating up specifically and it has went up, you know, 30%. And so we're seeing a lot of those things, but they don't do the things we do up in Seattle. So like you still have your inspection contingency, which is mind blowing to me. They don't right. sell or procure um, inspections, which again is like, you know, got to do those. Um, cause then you prevent the, the buyer fallout. Um, the appraisals they're big on waiving appraisal where instead of waiving all the financing. And, you know, I talked in front of our group at the brokery this last week. Um, and you know, there's a lot of jaws that dropped when I was saying, you know, you walk in there and you basically are naked. Like you're just, you know, are you just the handing offer that, you know, no contingencies and there's, you know, it is what it is. And, um, you know, I think here they're still kind of, they're converting over into that mindset. The funny thing is that the buyers that are coming down here and purchasing have already experienced that in the market that they are in. So they're not afraid of it. Yeah. So it's more so 
the agents um, implementing those different practices into their strategy and the ones that do that early are the ones that are going to be winning these, these um, bidding wars. Yeah. Um, that's just, sure. you know, how it is. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking to bring that into, into the oh, market down was, here and win all it, our. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you have a big advantage going yeah. in there um, because like, I've been amazed like you in just different States that, that I close in Florida, Texas, you know, Arizona, I mean, Montana, those markets that are kind of recently hot versus us that have been hot for eight years. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy when the agents will say, well, is it okay? Can I waive financing? And I said, absolutely. That's, <laughs> we automatically assume you're going to have to. And yeah. so it's just starting to take hold yep, in, in so. some of those markets. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know that the lenders have caught on down here even to put the effort into doing the, un- the upfront underwriting. Yeah. Um, and so I think that in that, that side of things, that'll kind of start to change too. They'll um, have to ramp up yeah. and yeah. do it. It's a whole ramp up process. I mean, it, and not all companies are going to be in the position yeah. to where they'll have the resources or they can devote the resources. I mean, we've long known for years, like banks and credit unions, they're never going to put the money into those resources because they have such a big fallout. They just don't have a very good capture rate anyway. Um, some companies are going to be able to ramp up and do that pre-underwriting and some are not. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think we are going to see that trend shift in those other markets for sure. Um, we're already versed in it, but I don't think the competitiveness of this market is changing anytime soon. No, I don't think so yeah. either. And especially as you kind of sprawl out and go to other markets that are just kind of getting their little, their boom time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, are you seeing any other differences specifically between Arizona and Washington on the lending side? Well, I think, you know, the great news is with people being able to work remote or have the flexibility, you're seeing people make different decisions. Like we're, the thing I've noticed this year is they're really, the condos have become um, a lot more, yeah. they, the condo market's heating up. It's been pretty pretty flat for the last year and a half or so. In the last couple months, I have really noticed more and more people buying condos, which is great. Like I love condos. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, that's just a fantastic way, especially for first time home buyers to get into the market and start to build appreciation. Um, It's also, I've seen a lot of people say, well, okay, I'm going to have Seattle be, um, you know, I'm going to have a a place to live here. Maybe I'm going to buy a condo. But then I'm going to go to Arizona and have my main house because my home, I can buy such a bigger home, you know, for what I can get in Arizona for a million dollars is the equivalent, what would cost me 2 million in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to see a little bit of a flip where people will say, well, I'll downsize to a condo in Seattle, and then I'll go buy in Florida or I'll go buy in Arizona Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, Arizona is such an easy flight. You know, Alaska Airlines has multiple direct flights every day. It's so easy Mm -hmm. that Arizona is natural because, you know, and your money just goes so much further down Mm -hmm. there. So I would say the Arizona business has increased like tenfold just in the last year and a half. And I think it's going to continue. Yep. I agree. I mean, it just feels like there's so many people talking about it and even in our all different age groups, let's say, because traditionally I think Arizona was more so retirees and like people, so you never snowbirds as we used to call them, but now it's like, no, it's actually people, let's say in their late thirties, early forties, maybe they have kids, maybe they don't. 
Um, and they're jumping into the market, using it, you know, using it for a certain period of the year and then renting it out yeah. when they're not there and going back up to Seattle. And, and like you said, the accessibility yeah. is awesome. I mean, to have so many flights, yes, you said Alaska has like six or seven flights a day. That's only Alaska. I mean, there's other carriers. Oh, yeah. that so it's, you could literally, yeah. uh, and you know, it's pretty reasonable until, unless you get it on a weekend that there's a the open or but you know, it's, even, it's even pain field, like pain yes. field flies directly down there. I mean, yeah. Bellingham flies directly down there. So really anybody that's at all in this corridor, yeah. it's so super accessible and wow. I mean, what you get for your money in mm -hmm. that market is incredible. Well, and there's something for everyone here too. So that's important. As I kind of observe both markets, I look at, you know, how we're very landlocked and very dense and dense. And like, we, you know, are running out of land. Um, and we have yeah. certain amount of housing in certain areas here. There's just literally, there's something for everyone. And it is very sprawling. Maricopa County is like the fifth largest County in the entire States. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's so many people here and so many different agendas and, and, you know, there's just yeah. something for everyone. So, um, you know, if you want to be in paradise Valley, um, you know, and you're spending 2 million on a um, gorgeous home that feels like the desert, but you're still connected to Phoenix and Scottsdale, or if you want, you know, that Airbnb property near, you know, old town, um, Scottsdale, or even old town Phoenix or historic districts in yeah. Phoenix. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous to me. That's equivalent to like the cutest part in Madison um, park, or, you know, there's just, yeah. there's just so much here. Um, and so really any buyer from the Pacific Northwest who's looking for something there specific or having no clue, it's worth exploring and looking at what the options are, because there is something for you down here in every price range. Well, and then great news is there's room to expand down there too. There's land. So although the prices are all going up, they're not going to go up as crazy as they've been going up here, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. So that's going to allow it to be more affordable for more people for a longer period of time. Yep. Because they have that ability to expand and grow and build. Mm -hmm. So yep, yeah. I agree. So move like investment to put your investment hat on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am pushing, you know, clients this way. If you're looking purely at dollars investments and if you're able to, you know, whether the work from home impacts where you're spending your time, or if you're just purely looking at parking your money somewhere, um, you know, that this is just, I feel like there's a more longevity in the, the appreciation, um, yeah. and maybe less risk in terms of how much money you're putting down anyway, like towards the investment right. initially. So, well, the other thing too, we're seeing is as these, as COVID is, um, transitioning out on the, like the rent moratorium. So, mm -hmm. you know, where they have those caps on the rents, you're seeing landlords raise rents now because yep. they haven't been able to, and that's getting the attention, of a lot of buyers and that's nationwide. Mm -hmm. So especially in a market like Arizona, where the cost of the rent is going to even be closer to what the cost would be to just have a mortgage. Yep. That's a great, that's also another great um, way to encourage those buyers. Like, look, as your rent goes up, you could effectively just buy a house and they don't have to worry about that in the future. Yeah. So, I think they said Phoenix rental rates went up 26% year over year. So it is, it is at that, that cusp where it does make more sense to purchase than it does rent. I know all of our rents in Seattle um, have went up uh, year over year 
And now we're also dealing with the, the six month notice period that we have to give, you know, tenants for any rental increase yeah. in the city limits. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that we've had a lot of landlords decide they want to sell their property this year because of those mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. Um, which does not help our affordability or our supply for the rental housing whatsoever. Yeah. It's very yeah. counterproductive or counterproductive. Um, yeah. So yeah. But we'll just kind of see how, but I, the condos in general, I do think in all markets everywhere yeah. uh, going up, I think it was 20% in downtown Seattle. Um, we've noticed here, and I don't have the percentage on me, but definitely there's been a difference of um, dramatic difference between the condos that are coming on the market now yeah. than what they were a year from um, a year ago. Year so, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great to see that market really oh, come yeah. back. Because it's, it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Condos are awesome. Like, and, and for, I mean, anybody, but especially it also, it helps first time home buyers to really get into that, into that market, yep. which we want. We want those first time home buyers jumping in the market. That's really what keeps, that keeps the economy going. Yeah. 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 For sure. Good. Well, we touched on a lot. Can you just summarize what uh, states you're licensed in? So yeah, I am licensed in Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, Texas, okay. Florida, and Montana. Okay. So basically the entire West Coast. Now, the nice thing is at Caliber, I can originate in all 50 states. Um, the states that I personally hold a license in, I can personally do the loan. If it's a state that I don't personally hold a license in, I just partner with my colleague at Caliber that has that particular state. So I can really help anybody nationwide. Um, but uh, the reason why I added those, those extra states a few years back was I just started, I kept having clients mm-hmm. that continued to act. And that helps me see where the trend is going. Yeah. And it's been great going into those markets. Um, you know, like what you were saying too, for investors, it really pencils out well in states like Arizona, in Texas, you know, for investors and, um, you know, for the landlords that are selling their properties in Seattle, it's a great opportunity to go down to Arizona and buy an investment property. And, you know, like if they're trying to do 1031 exchanges, Mm -hmm. you can do that. You can sell your property in Seattle and buy another one in Arizona, do your 1031 exchange. And likely it's going to cash flow better than it would if it was in, in Seattle. So, yep. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, definitely. So we're licensed, um, Washington, Oregon, Arizona now, and then, um, Emma's working on her California. So we'll awesome. have access to California. Cool. And again, it is just the same reason there's just so many uh, overlap between, you know, right. people moving here and there having needs. And when you work with clients for so long and they, they come back to you and, you know, they want you to help not only with the purchases or say, you know, whatever they have going on in Seattle, but they want your expertise in other markets. You're like, ah, I don't want to refer you. I want to still work for you and be able to provide that same service and and guidance and and whatnot. So that was really kind of one of the things that drove me to kind of Mm -hmm. um, come down here and and get more involved. There's just so much overlap. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think there's going to be even more. Yep. Yeah. It'll continue. Well, exciting. Good stuff. It was a good start to the year thus far and really excited for 2022. And I know we have Mm -hmm. some changes you know, on, on all levels, just with our markets and the lending side and everything. But I think at the end of the day, it's all good. And it's, um, there are changes that need to happen because of what our, uh, in response to what the economy is doing. It's not, yeah. you know, anything else other than that. So, um, I agree. yeah, 
Good. Well, thank you. Is there anything else that I think we touched on everything we planned to? Not anything I can think of at this point, but I will, of course, keep you updated um, as always on, you know, as, as, you know, I think too, we're going to get some more info out on the condos um, in the coming months. We'll get some more guidance um, from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and I'll of course keep you posted as I get that info. So, but yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's have a good 2022. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for joining. We're going to post Chris's uh, contact information. And of course, if you have any questions about any of this, reach out to either of us. Um, Chris, it's always a pleasure. And Thank I hope you have a great weekend. You too. You too. Enjoy. Right. We'll see you later. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye everyone.